Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. Welcome to our mid-season check-in for the season of fall 2022. My name is Vry. I'm the managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter before it burns to the ground, at writer Vry. And with me today are Caitlin and Peter. Hello. I am Caitlin, one of the managing editors at Anime Feminist, as well as a reviewer at Anime News Network. You can find my Twitter for as long as it lasts at all soon underscore no dare. And I have yet to figure out what other social media site I will be migrating to. Mastodon just seems too complicated. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh, Peter Phobian. I'm manager of YouTube strategy and content at Crunchyroll, editor here at Anime Feminist. And I also think Twitter sucks right now. And maybe always has. It's possible. All right. If you have never joined us for one of our mid-seasons before, our general policy is that we use our Premiere Digest, which will be linked in the show notes. We start from the bottom and we work our way up. And if you have always wanted to hear us talk about a particular show, you can become a patron and vote to make sure that uh, we talk about your top choices at patreon.com slash anime feminist. Intent. Shiny, shiny. Normally, I don't think we need to spend a, too much time on this one, but uh, Peter, you noted in the Slack chat that more than a married couple but not lovers had found a way to become even worse than it's a extremely noxious premise so i wanted to touch on that for a quick second oh yeah i mean I, I guess i'm not too surprised it got worse than the premise because uh the premise for why they're together sucks but then when you think about it if the premise is that bad then of course all the relationship stuff is going to be really bad too so uh yeah it's, it's just kind of devolved into this thing where uh each of the characters uh, they're I, I guess they're stuck together in like a fake marriage government black mirror program uh but if they get good enough uh lovey-dovey husband and wife scores they get to date the people they really want to date uh, but it's which just, makes no fucking sense it's a stupid premise yeah it sucks uh and it's just sort of devolved into uh yako and the main guy and akari agreeing to act super lovey-dovey in front of all of the orwellian cameras in their apartment so that they get a high score um while uh, akari really wants to date this popular guy named i think minami Minami. Uh, but now, uh, about halfway through the series, every time she does something with Minami, uh, Yakuin gets to be really jealous, and then she has to do emotional labor for him, I guess. Um, although at the same time, she's also regularly uh, doing stuff not in front of the cameras to kind of either tease him or uh, tempt him in uh, sexual ways, uh, like having like internal dialogue saying, like, uh, I think I want him to kiss me and that kind of stuff. Uh, I guess proving that the the government program actually works, um, but I guess both the characters kind of want to have it both ways, and they're being really shitty about it. So of course, uh, yeah, it's a lot worse. Also, uh, the main love interest for Yakuin, uh, I, I don't know what to I, she the main love interest, the one he's said he liked at the beginning, his Osan and Achimi's best friend, is revealed to be a lesbian who's uh, in love with Shiori. Um, and so far, all they've done is uh, she acts really supportive while internally thinking, uh, "Man, I'm sure sad." all the time and i think that's all the plot development she's going to get wow it's really a worse toradora in every way mm -hmm. just watch toradora y'all mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep all right i think uh that's about all we need to say about that let's jump up to a show that uh is at least out of date because it originally started in the 1970s <laughs> caitlin are you still having fun with urusei Yatsura? i am you know, is it still a show from the 1970s? Yes, it is. Look, I'm a fan of Lupin the Third. I know what you're feeling. Yeah. I just, we, we gotta be honest. The thing is that it kind of becomes, over time, less dependent on sexual assault well, as humor of Ataru, like, going after girls. Because the cast of characters just grows and grows, and it's kind of watching them all ping pong off of each other and yes lum and ataru are kind of always at the center but also you know we just had a plot of 
a pair of boxing haunted boxing gloves being taken to the school nurse because she's also a Miko Miko a Mik she's a Miku you see she's a vocaloid no she's a Miko <laughs> and she's supposed to exercise them but Ataru puts them on and he keeps punching himself in the face to avoid punching Lum in the face because that's part of what their curse is I'm not a big like a huge voice actor person but I think a lot of what's making this iteration so enjoyable to me is the voice cast. Because mm. at first it was, uh, it felt weird having, especially like Lum's voice be different because her original voice actor, whose name escapes me at the moment, her voice especially was so iconic to the character. And so hearing- it was Fumi Hirano. Yes. Sorry, go on. Fumi Hirano, one of the all time greats. And so when she, when a, a different voice is coming out of Lum, it felt very strange. But mm-hmm. I've gotten used to that. And Mamoru Miyano is amazing as Mendo. Super hilarious. And I always love having Miyuki Sawashiro around and she plays Sakura. And just everyone is like completely on point. Just really carrying the the comedy through and part of it is familiarity when i hear miyano screaming kawaii kurai semai you know which means it's dark or well i said it out of order but basically it's dark it's cramped i'm scared it's super funny because mamoru miyano is super funny and I am familiar with that line, with that character bit. So hearing it again is really great. So I can't speak for how good this series is for new people because I've been a fan of it for I don't want to think of how many years. <laughs> Probably around 20, give or take. And yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. I, I do get what you mean, though, like, you know, as somebody who um who enjoyed Ah oh My Goddess back in the day. It definitely had oh, that similar problem of the too. yikesiest premise. The yikesiest premise oh, that boy, yeah. really got away from it fast once it built up mm-hmm. its ensemble. So I see what you mean about Urusei Yatsura having something similar. Would you say for somebody who's kind of tentatively interested, should they watch this or should they go back to... Like Beautiful Dreamer is the the bit of the franchise that I feel like everybody really holds up in the highest regard. I've never actually watched any of the movies. Okay. And oh, wow. I'm not the biggest from what I understand, Beautiful Dreamer is very Oshi. And mm. I'm not the biggest Oshi fan. I find his work cold. Mm. This or pick should they wait and maybe try picking up uh, the original series when Discotech puts it out then maybe I think they're very different and it's been a very long time since I've watched the original series so I really can't say for sure you could pick up the manga right it's still in print in those big honking on nabai on nabai (laughs) you know pick up the manga they all have something different to offer all right, let's uh, scoot up to The Little Lies We All Tell Then, which is a show that I wanted to watch more of after the premiere, but simply have not had time. It was either that or watch uh, or start season two of Pop Team Epic. And um, listen, I really missed the middle school lesbians. So how's it going, Caitlin? I'm having a lot of fun with it. Honestly, I feel like I'm the only person watching it. There's a couple other people talking about it in the anti-fem discord, but I don't see anything else. And I think that's really a shame because it is a really funny and clever show a lot of the time. And it actually handles a lot of gender stuff way better than most other series. Um, the way I describe it is asobi asobase kind of in terms of tone, but a bit more surreal and way less mean. Yeah, I will give it that. I was impressed with the premiere where it like I think that secret crossdresser is sort of an inherently charged trope, especially right now, and there's 
kind of no getting around that, but I think it is the least bad way you could do it. Like the fact that they have that sketch in the bathroom, but the joke is that the ninja girl is coming in there covered in blood and tries to play it off as, oh, it's my period. And the secret boy is like, oh yeah, totally. No, that, yeah, that sounds right. Oh, that part was so funny. There's, there is quite a bit of humor around Tsuyoshi's gender, but it's never ha ha ha. He's being humiliated by having to pretend to be a girl or ha ha ha. Uh, rooster in the hen house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was one quick passing joke like that in the premiere, and then it they seem to have thrown it away, which I can respect. Never again. Uh, they yeah, they've never gone that direction again. There was uh, an episode where his gender did get changed, which I don't feel like I can really comment on as a cis person, but it didn't feel too bad mm-hmm. Sakine didn't catch on to anything that she could suddenly read his mind because and right I was actually so one thing I was pleasantly surprised by was I'll just describe the plot of the episode they all go out for takoyaki and all of them get an extra one from the takoyaki guy for being cute girls except Sekine because within not that it ever actually shows because this is anime but within the canon of the show Sekine is a little bit chubby she's not super traditionally attractive so the joke is not ha 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 Sekine is fat the joke is Sekine is getting treated differently from everyone else and that makes everyone super uncomfortable and everyone is now scrambling to find ways to make it better. Oh, And they do it badly. Oh. Tsuyoshi does it in a classic boy way where he starts being like, well, like, you know, you've got these big boobs. And you know what? That's what really matters, right? And it's... it's oh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just like, uh... But it's sweet in its own way and that's kind of what i mean where it's a little bit like a sobiaso base but more surreal and less mean like these kids are not very bright but they do genuinely care about each other yeah you know there there's worse things to say than uh what if a sobiaso base did not for three sketches randomly become virulently transphobic mm-hmm. oh really bleak mark on a show i really like yep yep but that's that's neat uh, i think that's maybe one to that's uh that hopefully some people will check out if they're into sketch comedy type shows like it really did remind me of awesome manga dio a little bit uh when it when it was working mm-hmm. stranger than awesome manga dio oh yeah listen it's all gimmick all the time, which I think can uh, will work for people or it won't. I was charmed of what I saw and I want to watch more when I have a time. Yeah, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite shows of the season. A lot of it avoiding nastiness is partially stems partially from it being created by a woman. Mm. I mean, not to be essentialist here, but there are certain jokes that I cannot imagine uh, someone who does not get periods writing well, right? Right. Um, or the joke, you know, the joke about Sekine not getting the extra takoyaki. Uh, this feels based in very loosely in lived experiences that someone who presents female would have. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Like it's, it. there are not ways men write comedy and ways women write comedy TM, but there are jokes that feel different depending on whether or not you have lived through a similar experience where, uh, rather than if you're writing from kind of a an archetypal template that you've seen in other fiction. Right. Yeah, I get you. 
Uh, speaking of things that have no connection to reality <laughs> whatsoever, Peter, I I thought that Blue Lock was really interesting completely inadvertently in its first episode, and then episode two settled squarely into, aren't you stupid for liking the camaraderie and uh, optimistic teamwork elements of sports anime, so I kind of dropped it. I tried to warn you, Vry. The first episode, sometimes shows are interesting completely uh, unintentionally, but it couldn't keep the steam. Well, it wasn't wasn't like the appeal, though, that uh, the whole program was t- supposed to turn them all into backstabbing sociopaths? Yes. Okay. But I, I felt like, I don't know, at least for me watching that se- second episode, it turned real quick into, and that's kind of cool, actually. Uh, okay. Uh, I would say it's maybe uh, reverse to the reversal then. So may- I, I've mm. become less interested in it, but maybe you might become more interested it's still, mm. it's paid, I don't know, it just feels like a soccer series now, uh, which mm. is the last thing I wanted for it. It does have moments where it's like the main characters getting, uh, you know, tempted by the devil. Like, uh, mm-hmm. they recently beat a team and the main character just sort of walked up and looked at all of them crying and go, when like, I just crushed all these people's dreams and never play soccer again. Why do I feel so good? And uh, mm. Ego, the, the sicko watching through the cameras is... <laughs> Watching him look down on these guys and going, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Monokuma's human Sona. I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it has some moments like that, but basically they're just sort of playing soccer now. Uh, they like briefly tried to incorporate this, the fact that all of them like, uh, I mean, only one person gets to play pro soccer out of this, which doesn't even make sense. Like they run into two like twins who are working together. It's like one of you guys is never going to play soccer again once this is all over. So I don't know why you're so keen on working together, I guess. Um, It's like a zero-sum game, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it like can't really stick to its own premise. And they just end up playing a lot of soccer with these kind of uh, pseudo battle royale moments where it feels like maybe the main character might be going to the dark side or something. And every once in a while, Mm -hmm. there's like a betrayal of some sort. I always think of Ego as evil Madarame from Genshiken. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, he does, I, I, at least, yeah, they look very similar. Uh, I, I cannot remember anything about Madarame except for that one episode where he breaks his arm at Kamiket. Uh, oh, the, the personalities the... are not remotely similar. Oh, okay, but okay. they look they just, similar. They look exactly it is a okay, look. Okay. I respect the the attempt to do a death game series where nobody dies, but mm-hmm. you keep all the same tropes. That's that's interesting, but I just, as it turns out, you do need the bloodshed and uh, extremely gory camp to keep me interested. Yeah, and I, the, it turns out like the main character's special ability is like knowing when to pass, which is in direct conflict with <laughs> what's supposed to be makes a good striker in the series. Like, it, I don't know, it feels like the setup was really great, and then the, he had to sketch out like the rest of the story and realized he, he couldn't figure out how to make it work. And also, it's been going for like 20 volumes and hasn't stopped, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, that killed what interest I had left. Also, I just want to say, like, the, the entire premise kind of didn't work on the face of it. Uh, I, I like, if this was a weird, if it, if it stuck to being a weird battle royale, I wouldn't feel so critical of, like, the premise of the thing, because he's, like, trying to get all these people into, like, this... Uh, this, this space where all of them feel desperate to make Japan a successful international like soccer entity and their careers are on the line. So everyone buys into this thing. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. like literally in the scene where the dudes got all three of those people and he says, you either walk in and you like, I'm going to make you the best striker in the world or you can leave. And, and with their careers on the line, uh, I, I, he says that Japan sucks at soccer in a way that was very interesting because it seemed like directly critical of Japan as sort of like a communalistic culture. So I, and that, that, that like really, it really felt like it might be like, like, you know, it might have some politics in there, uh, some cultural criticism, something like that. Um, But if it's just going to boil down to a soccer series, then basically it's just like 300 people were in a room. One dude said, Japan hasn't been good at like international soccer ever because uh, we're, we're not sociopaths. And uh, not one kid in a group of 300, uh, I guess, followed women's soccer and knew that uh, when the, when the, like right when this manga was created, they were coming out of a, and I guess it's supposed to be said in the like a pseudo real world adjacent world. None of them followed women's soccer because that's like the exact moment that Japan was coming off of the golden age of women's soccer where they had, I think in the previous two World Cups, they, they placed first and second. 
And he's like, Japan's never made the round of 16. They, they never got out of the round of 16, guys. See how bad we are. It's like, okay, uh, well, <laughs> turns out. Well, given the uh, real world soccer fans I've met, that's uh, that's true to life. Yeah, but uh, the, the, the program was greenlit by the head of the Japanese Soccer Association, too, who is a woman uh, who... The one woman! Yeah, yeah. Also, there's a scene where she and Igo are talking while she's cleaning his apartment for him, which is also great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. All right, we are 20 minutes in, so we need to book it up the list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, My Master Has No Tale, I Am Behind On, Like Little Lies We All Tell. It is a show that I enjoy, but has just fallen behind because things are so bustling but d is up to date on it and she checked in that it's still pretty much the same as what she talked about in the three episode check-in if you want to look at that post the series has introduced a uh, blind character uh, a musician named koito and there's sort of that visual shorthand that it uses about you know Blind folks walk around uh, with their eyes closed all the time. I'm just going to read uh, the little write-up in the notes that uh, she made so that I don't convey it poorly. Um, Koito knows Mameda as a tanuki because of her scent, but it's played more as sound, smell, and touch is how I perceive the world. So, of course, I'd be more attuned to stuff like that than as blindness superpower. Uh, Otherwise, she's depicted pretty realistically, using a cane to get around, uh, At one point, the manager yells at the staff for moving stuff around and causing her to trip, that kind of stuff. And it's also going quite at quite a relaxed pace for where the manga is at as far as getting into the really gripping plot details. But it's been a nice little anime that I think folks are probably going to sleep on in such a strong series, but it's a nice Iyashike type historical series do it yourself i think everyone is watching this one i am a little bit behind so i'll let you guys talk first i mean i don't know how much there is to say yeah i think it's still the same (laughs) it's a nice little uh relaxing series i enjoy the characters i enjoy their dynamics i enjoy watching them make things and enjoying make things i'm not a big cute girl hobby anime person but I like them occasionally and so the one that it reminds me of most is another series I ended up enjoying which is After School Dice Club Mm. where it's not just watching the girls do the thing and explaining the thing but it kind of really digs into the different aspects that they enjoy about it and there are different reasons that people do it there are different ways of enjoying it like takumin likes making pretty things and you know blah 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 so yeah it's just it's a nice show i like it yeah i like that there are different approaches to it as a crafting thing you know one character who's in into macrame and sort of mosaic and one character who's into a lot of stuff with power tools and one character who does more with tech leaning stuff. I think that's a nice way to approach it. And then there's Therifu who's just here for a good time. Who's just here for a good time and good for her. I, I, I said this in, I, I said this in, in the, three episode check-in so we don't need to belabor it a lot they go so hard on cute clumsy girl that i do look at seraphu like girl do you have a learning disability do you have a nonverbal learning disability she's just like me for real because it, it gets slightly uncomfortable with how hard they go yeah you do uh it, it gets to the point where uh, you become a little concerned for her yeah, I do. Uh, I do think I uh, like. I, I, yeah, I don't really know if there's much to uh, it. It's just kind of a nice series, uh, in my opinion. I don't think it's trying to like uh, kind of explore any any deeper themes or anything like that. I do want to uh, say that I like the the relationship between oh god, what's the other girl's name? Serifu and is it Miku? Is that her next door neighbor? Or do they call her Serude? Oh yeah, Putin. I should just call her Putin. I do like that. It seems like she's felt kind of. Uh, distanced from Serifu because of the fact that she didn't get into the same school and she's trying to really like lean into like STEM tech learning. And I, I think she feels like the do it, at least initially like do it yourself is kind of beneath her. 
Uh, it's kind of like low tech. And I, I think that it kind of creates an external pressure for her not to be friends with Serifu anymore, uh, which she obviously doesn't really want. But I do think that's sort of like a really fascinating character concept because uh, it's like you, you, she's kind of the way she's categorized herself. She makes, she thinks makes it so that she can no longer associate with her. And, and uh, mm. like, let me know if I'm, I'm off the mark here. Um, but I, I do think I like how it's kind of uh, uh, maybe not very focusedly uh, looking at that as kind of a way we make our friend groups and uh, kind of base our social interactions and friendships off of our uh, either academic or, or like work communities. Uh, and mm. the whole idea is that she's just like, Oh no, wait, we're, we are really good friends. Uh, there's value in what she's doing in addition to what I'm doing and, and kind of overcoming this really weird self created mental block that she has toward uh, associating with her best friend, next door neighbor. So one thing I agree, Peter, mm. that's all, that's all okay. really <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> I want to recognize what you said. Okay. One thing that I'm kind of interested to hear other people's perspectives on is the character of she, because I am as white as the Seattle summer days are long and the Seattle winter nights are long. (laughs) (laughs) It gets dark so early, but anyway, I feel like a lot of these kinds of shows will have the foreign character and the foreign character is kind of the weirdo, kind of feral, like your Sue's from Love Hina, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is the foreign girl and she is weird, but it's also kind of, it's not tied to her foreignness. Yeah. Because her mom is just like, why are you like this? Your <laughs> siblings are fine. <laughs> and she's just kind of a weird cat girl who has whose family is from some country in Southeast Asia they don't specify I'd be curious once again to know if anyone can tell from like her traditional dress that she wears in one episode and the decorations in her house what country it is supposed to be because it does look culturally specific they just don't name it yeah it's uh, it is interesting and I Obviously, I'm not qualified to say whether that's a uh, a smarter take on the material or if it comes across a bit as wanting to have your cake and eat it, too, with the uh, funny foreigner archetype. There's there's a little bit of that, um, obviously, in a much less charged sense with, um, oh, what's her name? The tiny, the oh, tiny Jobco. American. Jobco. Yes, Jobco is a full on tiny, funny American. Mm. And it's fine, but it's certainly a trope. An American named Juliet, Queen Elizabeth the Eighth. Mm-hmm. It's very clearly yeah. her parents are Tiaboos. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it is. I do really enjoy that. This could have been a series that very easily leaned into that sort of luddite vibe of or are these kids today with their cell phones, but instead it takes that really nice thing of. You know, with automation, if you don't have to do things anymore, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful way to approach this kind of thing. And it is just sort of nice to see normalized uh, girls doing uh, construction stuff. That's very cool. And I feel like the show should get baseline credit for that, even if we're, we're sort of picking at these mm-hmm. other things. It is also just a good, nice show. And slightly gay. Slightly gay. A sauce of gay on top. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Reincarnated as a sword. I believe Chiaki is still watching. There is a brief kind of fan service-y tinted bathing scene in episode four, she said. But otherwise, it's kind of keeping on as it was, is when she did the third episode write-up. So I will direct y'all there. And then let's get to Raven of the Inner Palace finally some good fucking food. <laughs> I don't know if my tastes are just changing recently cuz I'm still watching it. I'm still enjoying it. But I've been I wishing that it had a more engaging visual presentation because a lot of it is just pretty people standing in pretty places talking. And that is nice and the writing is engaging and the stories are engaging but the visual presentation is 
pretty lacking. And so compared to a lot of other shows this season, I really wish that it had stronger direction that I think could really push it to the next level because I am finding that compared to Bochi the Rock or Arusei Yatsura or even The Little Lies We All Tell, which is not super Sakuga fest, but has a lot of really strong visual comedy. Raven of the Inner Palace has been drawing me less immediately to when there's a new episode coming out. I mean, I I guess I see what you mean, but I suppose to me, people sitting around being pretty in rooms and talking is sort of inherent to the genre that it is, which is a court conspiracy drama. And I think you're right. It could, you know, if this were a... Uh, an Ando or a Hatakeyama series, it, it would probably be a little bit more full on. But I do think that the direction has done a lot of work with its aesthetics to try and keep things visually engaging in a show where, A, probably it has cut, cut resources because it's a Jose Muke, and B, where there isn't a lot in the way of action scenes. Uh, I I enjoy the sort of traditional art style that it has when it's talking about... Oh, yeah, the shadow puppets are super cool. Especially as the story has unfolded and become a lot more about buried history and the deliberate obfuscation of women's role in power. And there is a lot of rich, fertile narrative ground there. I'm very excited that it's uh, getting translated. Apparently, it's only seven volumes and that is the entire light novel series so it does very much feel like they are trying to have this be a complete adaptation where they've just sort of cut down the mystery of the week in order to get the overarching story about uh shoujue and all into anime form nice pronunciation i I do my best (laughs) i could not have pronounced pronounced that that right thank you Thank you, Don May, for my baby's first education. I'm still shit at pronouncing. Especially when the show, they're they're like saying one name and it's translated as another, right? That's very, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's the, uh, I found myself wondering as I was watching, if Cardcaptor Soccer came out now, would, would they subtitle it Xiaolong instead of Xiaoron? Mm-hmm. I wonder. It's always hard in these sort of series for me to learn names because it's like I'm reading one thing, I'm looking it up and getting another, and I'm hearing yet a third name. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you any of the characters' names. It's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Caitlin, have you considered getting into Donmei? <laughs> oh, no. I don't have time in my life to get into Donmei. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yay. I th- let's see. On terms of pure content notes for stuff that wasn't noted in the three episode write up, episode five uh, covers a character who whose background includes uh, childhood sexual abuse, and they're they're pretty uh, tasteful about it. But it does you know come up, and it's it doesn't it, it does come up. Uh, also, the most recent episode includes a case of the week involving what I like to call historical technical incest um, where nobody really bats an eye at it because, Oh, it's tragic. And they're both dead. And you know, they never knew each other growing up, but they're technically blood related and fine. You move along, move along. I don't care about this, mm. whatever. Yeah. There was a, there was a, a guy who died who was executed because he wanted to marry, I believe technically his half sister who they had uh, the same mother and different fathers and, grew up completely separate from each other and would you believe it uh that didn't go over well yeah it's such a minor plot point i don't care but it felt worth flagging up for folks sure yeah i really like this series i see what you mean about it being definitely more visually quiet and it it leans a lot on uh on that stock image uh or that uh, that bit of uh stock animation with her blowing the flower uh-huh. But I will say the most recent episode does have a, li- a little bit more in the way of hashtag Sakuga. It, it looks really quite nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yay. Uh, let's get into the weeds with Chainsaw Man. Oh, boy. I want to know what you think about Mansaw Chain. Nice. 
all of the stuff with Denji and sex and Makima and power is so fraught, but in a very intentional way that I actually kind of really find interesting and even like enjoy question mark. I think that Fujimoto is doing something very deliberate and something very thoughtful with it mm. because Fry, you ha- I was going to do the three episode write up, but then I was sick. So Fry, you took care of it. And what something I wanted to talk about was kind of like, yeah, Denji is is horny. He's horny in that way that teenagers are, and also he's kind of it's. I'd say it's Freudian, except that he never even really had a mother. His desire to touch boobs is a desire for not just sex, but for intimacy and for nurturing. Uh, Fujimoto has said that Makima's name was derived from Mama. Oh, I missed that. I'm shocked. Shocked. (laughs) Yeah. And so... Oh, yeah, like, he's definitely doing something with it, but I do, I, this series is, so there are other series we've covered in past seasons, like My Dress Up Darling and Call of the Night, where I'm still following the manga, but I had to tap out on the anime because I couldn't deal with the bullshit in anime time. And I'm doing okay with Chainsaw Man the anime because there's enough gore and weirdness and it looks pretty, but I can definitely see how some folks who are interested, but uh, excruciated by the anime pace might have a better time with the manga, which is way fast to binge. I think I read it in like a couple of days back in court, but that was during quarantine time. So who knows? See, it's not the sex stuff that puts me off. It's the gore stuff. (laughs) I have, I've been watching it with my anime club friends with jared with alexis and alexis's girlfriend shannon and there were a couple of points where they're like all right caitlin close your eyes okay now you can look again because i'm not a gore person i really don't care for it caitlin that's adorable it's going to get so much yeah, more yeah, so i think i think this is literally when it like it starts getting gory now <laughs> in the next episode oh man but the stuff with the boob grabbing and the sex and the intimacy it's because it's like it's that old tumblr post or the i guess it was twitter you know lesbians share your wisdom world hard and cold titties soft and warm denji has had nothing but the cold hard world and he desires soft and warm which to a horny teenage boy is titties Oh, yeah, there's a lot in the way that Denji performs what he thinks is uh, is an ideal of masculinity. Mm-hmm. There is many gender. And so I find that actually, like, really, really interesting. So the stuff with, with like, Makuma in the most recent episode is, I mean, it's uncomfortable because, y'all, she is grooming this child, but yeah. it's uncomfortable. Like, uncomfortable in a good way isn't quite the right way to put it it's uncomfortable and it's purposeful it's intentional it is tied in with the themes of the show yeah no listen i think what gives chainsaw man a boost over a lot of series with horny teenage dude leads tm is that a you know the the female characters aren't drawn in a especially fan servicey way unless we are doing a specific pov shot of uh, denji staring at their tits or um they're they're really interesting and varied characters and it's definitely very purposefully doing something with where with makima grooming him where it's taking a critical eye from the word go to that idea that an older woman preying on a teenage boy is hot and sexy you know, instead of being an abuse of power. I do think that it is also fair to be uncomfortable with, which is something that came up uh, with my my partner. They've been watching this with me, that of the female characters who've been introduced so far, every single one of them, except uh, for the one of the members uh, that have been introduced in this latest arc, is comes out the gate trying to barter sexual favors. Oh, so every, yeah. everyone but the the nervous girl you mean? <laughs> yeah, like oh, Kobeni. Pa- they, yeah, Kobeni. Yeah. Like they they all come at it for different self serving ways. Um, and, but it's still a matter of what's it, it's still 
at a certain point comes down to what's a woman's a, a woman's weapon is her sexuality and also being and also uh, if you want to read it that way sexually dominant women are evil which i don't think he's trying to say i think it's what he finds hot and also he's telling a devil man story but like you can read it that way yeah yeah I do. I, I. It's been a while since I read the manga, but I, I believe now that they're past the 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 original like power uh, story arc. Uh, oh yeah, uh, she and Power and Denji have a really great friendship from here. Oh, on. Yeah, yeah, I it's love good. Platonic power. buddies. There is at least one more major arc about a woman uh, manipulating Denji with sexual favors, though. So strap in. Yeah. I do. I, I. It's. It's so weird. I read Chainsaw Man and Jujutsu Kaisen, and and I think the the main trio dynamic is very similar. But I think uh, Chainsaw Man really provided more of that than Jujutsu Kaisen ended up doing. I mean, the straight mm-hmm. man even has a wolf. Yeah, yeah, a, the shadow <laughs> puppet. Yeah, wolf thing. Yeah, it was remarkable how similar they were. I'm like, oh, this is the same show, except uh, Itadori's a, a small baby, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I do like that they sort of just become platonic buddies after the fact, uh, and power is uh, mostly an uncomplicated uh, kind of idiot uh, jerk face <laughs> post post that. I love power so much. Yeah. In regards to the, uh, I, I do want to say I, I think the this scene with Makima in the last episode is very fraught, uh, and definitely it's supposed to come across as sinister. Uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing. Um, but I also think that, uh, I, contrasting with all of the, the fan servicey stuff and Denji's just like repeatedly yelling boobs at the top of his lungs for three episodes, uh, I, I feel like it was kind of a very kind of more, the things she was telling him about intimacy, I, I feel were like actually very good lessons. <laughs> like what yeah, she was yeah, it was, was right. true. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. all true. Yeah, listen, it's a great scene. It's it's intimate. It's genuinely filmed as erotic, like you would find in like a Sayo Yamamoto series. Yeah. And it's rude to me because Makima is horrible and abusing this child. And also, she's hot. That's always been the problem, right? It's like I'm watching Soul Leader again and having to admit that Medusa is hot. It, it's interesting because, like, the intent of the scene uh, is definitely uh, – it's really great storytelling. Uh, and uh, also what Fujimoto is describing, like, more more complex ideas of eroticism and intimacy on uh, – in that contrast with, like, this, this like, shonen horny bullshit uh, kind of saying, like, that's not actually what it's about and you need to, like, really, like, kind of grow and, mm-hmm. and d- develop. Uh, so I, I think – Yeah, 100%. He's, he's directly – pointing that uh, that denji i almost said Dory denji is being very uh uh immature about this and and he's specifically saying like you're like this because you don't understand anything yet and you need to really change your perspective (laughs) and like right after uh denji just got out of this plot where he was basically he like fought somebody to the death just so he could touch a boob and it turns out just honking a random stranger's boob with no emotion behind it. Yeah, it sucked. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. While Power is sitting there performing, like, oh, it feels so good. Yeah, I mean, Power really kind of destroyed him there because uh, with the the padding and everything. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I really did like how that that, that reached its climax. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's very pointed, and I, I think it, it it's like one of the first things where you really realized. Uh, Fujimoto is a good writer uh, and has things to say about the shonen genre. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the boob touch, the, the back-to-back boob touching scenes and also this upcoming story with the, uh, the looping hotel hallway, I think are when the manga really finds its feet. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how people feel about it from here. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I did have Jared Photoshop scissors into Denji's hand at the screenshot of, What's his name? The older guy chasing him down the hallway yelling, hey, it's dangerous. Because it looked like And that's my job, y'all. Nice. I have literally stopped a child from walking around with the scissors pointed, open and pointed at his face. (laughs) That was a good contrast. Uh, yeah. So we need to move on, but there is more we could say about Chainsaw Man, we and could. we'll doubtless say about Chainsaw Man in future, mm-hmm. because I, I suspect it's going to be 
probably about three core if they're going to do the whole adaptation. So the thing is that there are multiple shows this season that we could do a full podcast episode about every episode. Yeah, stacked as hell. So, which from Mercury? (laughs) This is why I watch anime. (laughs) Oh my god, Mm, injected into my veins. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's like it's so it's so good and so far so uh, skilled at what it's laid out that I'm almost that it's almost difficult for me to crack into it because you could spend an hour talking about what it's doing and what it's setting up. But at the same time, we are six, seven, if you include the prologue episode into what's probably a 50 episode series. So there is so much to say. And yet at the same time, you can wrap it up in 30 seconds. Like, damn this is sure a Gundam I really like these characters and it's setting up all these themes I hope it doesn't fuck it up yeah Yeah. the thing is that Okochi has a spotty resume uh didn't he work on Guilty Crown uh was that an adaptation or uh, original no I'm pretty sure Guilty Crown he did Kabaneri yeah he was okay he was assistant series composition on Guilty Crown which is an anime original. Oh, okay. Um, but he worked, He also worked on Turn A Gundam, the one that everybody likes. Oh, yeah, I need to watch that. But Well, that was episodic screenplay. He also wrote Code Geass, but he also did Skate the Infinity. He also wrote <laughs> Utena novels. You know, and he also did Princess Principal and Azumanga Daio. Vacillating a Check. lot here on uh, how uh-huh. I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, well, so far, it's really good. There's a lot good. going on. And mm-hmm. he did Planetit, which is a great series that I believe had material that was original from the manga. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I hear Actually, people say the anime is better than um, the manga, right? Or what? They, yeah, the anime improved on the manga is from from what I'm hearing. It it got rid of some bad stuff and focused on more good stuff. So, like, that's what I've heard. Who knows? Yeah. This guy's a loose cannon. Yeah, Maverick. Like. Right now, I'm more inclined. I am inclined to put trust in it, and maybe that will make a fool of me later. But I'm just really pleased so far. Yeah. I-, I think that it it's really good, and also it looks pretty, which apparently behind the scenes has uh, been struggling. This week was a recap episode. Oh, I mean, they've been keeping it up really well so far. We haven't seen like any drops in animation that come with the. Uh, production troubles so i if they need to take a recap episode to catch themselves up i'm okay with that hopefully it oh listen i'm fine with them. it i have no criticism for them i just am concerned for them mm-hmm. yeah so uh if yeah honestly my pitch in the three app was if you watch one episode one anime this season make it which from mercury and i stand by that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so should we actually talk about what makes it good? Other than that, we could probably fill an entire podcast episode with each episode. Uh, no, we are going to come up over time. So I'm going to direct people to the uh, the three episode write up and say that and promise to spend a little bit more time on it when we do the season wrap up. Oh, Choo Choo is so good. I just want to give a shout out to my girl Choo Choo. Great. Right. Hell up. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love her i do i do like want to see more before i i even i it, it's hard to discuss now i think it's one it of the is because there's so much happening and yeah. we don't really have any answers. it's playing stuff really close to its chest so until like some things develop it's hard to really discuss like mm-hmm. what they are versus what they might be doing mm-hmm. yeah listen mm-hmm. i just want to say i could totally picture a tiny choo-choo stabbing guel in the foot with a fork yes and it would be good Man, Gwell has really uh, speed run uh, Sionji's sad boy toxic masculinity arc, oh, and I do respect it. He's even camping. Yeah, God, all yeah, the Unicamp fan art is crazy. It was like I was hit by a tidal wave when I woke up one morning. <laughs> Gwell is what Sionji would be after uh, his post adolescence of Utena glow up. Mm-hmm. This is his next stage of character development, and I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, I'm the villainess, so I'm taming the final boss. I'm behind on it. Okay. Caitlin, get your feelings out of the way. So, here's the thing. 
I have heard two kinds of feedback. There are the people who are familiar with the original or familiar with a previous version of it, whether it's the novels or the manga. I am familiar with the manga. Read the first volume, was like, yes. Bought the other two volumes, which only cover the first arc, which is the first novel. People who have uh, encountered it in another version before do not like the anime. Do not. People who haven't seem to be actually really enjoying the anime. My problem is that the storytelling style feels like you have someone saying, telling you going, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. It just goes plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, without giving any time for anything to sink in, for any like themes to emerge, for any character development. They did an entire novel in just the first four episodes. It's brisk. I think it's definitely the weakest version of the material. I think it's also strong enough source. It's also a strong enough source material that if the anime is the first version you come across, you can still get a sense of what is good about it. And I know that the, the the second arc certainly starts off a lot stronger than the first one. And I know that D is really quite enchanted with it and she's up to date. I know she's enjoying it a lot. It looks uh, like a bowl of hot garbage. And I think that they're in the source novels. There's probably a lot more nuance going on with this fact that you have uh, two female characters in opposition to each other which doesn't come across so hot in the anime to me because there's not a lot of time to give them interiority, but do they, do uh, they give the reason that Lilia is an antagonist. No. I yes. can't remember. Okay. Do, do they? I didn't, I didn't. In the <laughs> most recent episode me. they do. Oh, uh, in the, so, what? I thought the series was done with her. No, she's, um, she's also an isekai girl, but, uh, like the Digimon, uh, Kaiser in adventure zero two, she thinks these are all, this is all just a game and none of these are real people. So she's fine being like evil and manipulative to try and, uh, maneuver her good ending, which is interesting. Like in the novels, I can see why you would go with that mm. with the brisk pace. The anime is going at it just sort of mm-hmm. comes to me like oh man girls are in competition with one another are over mm-hmm. dudes aren't they yeah i was talking to rebecca rebecca silverman of ann because she has been reading the novels and i'm just like should i just forget the anime and just read the novels and she's like yeah probably the novels are actually really good uh, the anime because she is also hating the anime well i'm glad we got some explanation on lily at all because it seems like the series had forgotten about her at like episode three uh and then she went on to the all boys school or i guess it's not all boys school the, the uh the boys are better than girls school and in fairness it is also like the second arc does introduce other female characters for eileen to interact with which was my major complaint about the first uh, the first novel's worth of content, I guess. True. So I think this might be one where maybe dip into the anime long enough to see if it intrigues you or if you just don't, if you just don't like reading night light novels, it might be worth checking out. But otherwise, yeah, I am having flashbacks to uh, the case files of Jeweler Richard, an incredibly bad take on a really good series. Mm. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. So, Moving on to Bochi the Rock. Anxious. Bochi the Rock is so good. I think it's really started finding what, like, it's had a strong sense of identity from the word go. For me, I think it's finally started to balance its anxiety comedy pretty well. Because my thing is that it has its moments where it has these very quiet character beats where Bochi kind of has a really successful one-on-one talk with somebody and is able to self-assess and grow a little bit. And I think those are really nice. And it has those um, really cartoonish moments of, oh, worm. And then I think there's sort of this dead zone in the middle where it, occasionally it falls into being a little bit too wacky and like goes from, uh, falls outside of being relatable to feeling a little bit insulting. Yeah. Uh, of About social anxiety. But I think those moments that where it, it hits those sour notes are getting rarer. Mm-hmm. and 
yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the uh, the comedy drunk character. I think if it, this were a more cynical series like Asobe Asobase, she'd be right at home because it, it definitely does not think that this is a is a cool, funny thing. But it's also it sticks out a little weird. Yeah, well, I do like that Bochi kind of thought about her method, the alcoholism way of coping with anxiety and really saw that inevitable end point with a great deal of clarity and was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> like that is easily the darkest joke the series has had so far. Mm. Um, I am a little worried about the number of people going, ha ha ha. It's just like me for real. If you act. And I get that a lot of the people saying that are joking, but if you do sincerely find that cycle uh, relatable, please get therapy. You're, that's a, that's addiction um so you know uh but yeah i've i don't have not historically liked a lot of shows about girl music shows because they have been focused more on the the cute and the cute kind of extends to the musical style this show is inspired by Asian Kung Fu Generation, which has been one of my favorite bands for decades. Um, I did travel from uh, from Himeji to Fukuoka to go see them because the uh, Kobe show and the Osaka shows were both sold out. So, yeah, I, I'm really Adorable. into the music. Um I really enjoy the kind of visual manifestations of anxiety that they are very creative about. The, all of the different ways that Bochi melts and disintegrates and just ceases to be um, a tangible human being for a few seconds at a time. And I think that you know, um, I've heard complaints about them kind of conflating social anxiety and introversion, which I think is fair. But it also understands that social anxiety is not cute. You know what I mean? It is. Mm. Bochi is having genuinely a hard time with it. And they present it in a very funny, very charming way. But also, you know, it's not like, oh, look at the adorable little introvert. Yeah, as somebody who's not super into Let's Start a Band series, uh, Given was a major exception for me. I, I'm really quite impressed with how this manages to to sell itself as a character drama, mm. comedy, yeah. dramedy. Yeah. I'm on the same boat. I'm not much of a music person, but I think I, I actually am at the point where I, I feel like some of these uh, like uh, mental breakdowns that take like three to five minutes uh, are somewhat detracting from the part i'm actually interested in which is more of the social interaction and uh and like the band building which since i'm not a music person i think means that their their narrative is being told quite well um i i do overall like the stuff they're doing with bochi and i think it's the, a lot of their ideas for uh, like uh visually communicating her social anxiety are really funny and interesting um I, I do think they do get excessive and also like every once in a while this series hits me with something that i'm just like that's a little weird like uh when she lies on her back to show submissiveness to the boss of the place uh yeah that's the one scene where i'm like is this uh, flash up that that title card the writer's thinly disguised fetish yeah yeah i was like i don't i don't like that i hope they don't do anything like that ever again uh so hopefully that was just a one-off weird joke that uh <laughs> that was a result of a poor decision or something um yeah but overall it's, it's great I will say my one outstanding note is I do at some point want a serious scene between Kita and, and Ryo. I want them to seriously address her crush one way or the other. So she's not just like the funny lesbian. Oh yeah. Just yeah. pining after the whole time. Yeah. That would be, mm -hmm. that would be good. But that's really, uh, that's really my only note. It, it's been pretty solidly addressing my, uh, the other minor misgivings I had with it starting out, which uh, I talked about already. So yeah, honestly, if you uh, like slice of life and you want something that's a little less 
sleepy cozy than do it yourself, uh, this is probably the one to go for. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to our last show of the evening, which is Akiba Made War. Fuck yes, fuck yes, fuck oh, yes. yes. That's my so opinion. Good. I respect so much that they just took a Yakuza script and found and replaced. With all this just incredible visual comedy. Like, because it's not just that they did find and replace. It's that they visually tied it in together so well. Uh, At the birthday episode, like, just losing it at the goat just wandering around in the tank of tomato juice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is really, really funny and creatively bombastic. And just, it looks really good because PA Works apparently is just a we do what we want, fuck you studio now. And I love that for them. And Psy Games. It's Mm -hmm. wild that a mobile game company is creating all of these just incredibly weird kind of creative shows because Psy Games is also Zombieland Saga. It's Princess Connect. Um, I would love... They already did a Grand Blue Fantasy anime. I would love to see them try it again. Because apparently the Grand Blue Fantasy anime was very similar to the... Was very... Cued very closely to the game. Psy Games is... I, I respect them so much for being like... How are we going to make an adaptation of our mobile games that will be engaging to people who don't care about our mobile games? And maybe attract more of them. And then also, uh, what is the weirdest shit that we can get away with? And PA Works is like, yes, let's do some weird shit, guys. And it's incredible. And Akiba Made Wars is their baby and it's basically perfect. Also, I can't, maybe this is a case of a pen name I haven't uncovered yet, but uh, series composer Yoshihiro Hiki doesn't seem to have any other TV credits to speak of, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and, yeah, and I mean, you're right, it isn't just find and replace because there isn't, I think if it was just resting on the joke of, haha, this is a traditionally very manly type of story but we're doing it with cute girls then it would feel really insulting and i would have dropped it ages ago but it's it's very sincere about its characters and the stakes that they're facing in universe and it it has found other jokes than haha cute girls are in a manly archetypal story but also i think whether they intended this or not it is pretty sharp satire on the uh, the cuddlification of Yakuza stories over the past year, few years. Absolutely. I'm so over cuddly Yakuza characters, except for Way of the House Husband. Which a, Tatsu can stay. Yeah. Patient zero, for sure. It It is not. Hina Matsuri came first. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Kazuma Kiryu is patient zero. He's not cuddly, but that is definitely within the last 10 years, the, the series that, uh, the series that was like, what if, what if Yakuza were cool and noble and also a sort of a dorky asexual dad, actually. Well, Hina Matsuri, uh, really got away with it. Got a way better adaptation too. <laughs> yeah. I, Akiba made were just kind of leans super hard into the absurdity and that's kind of what makes it work. Also, it has a 36-year-old woman. <laughs> what? Women can exist after 25? We're all shocked. I love Ronco. She's my age. Oh, she's so good. I love her. It just it's a really good, smart, funny series. It is fairly it, it maybe give it a miss if you're uh, sensitive to gun violence and blood, but otherwise, yeah, this one's definitely the the sleeper the, the, this one's definitely the sleeper hit yeah i was thinking about it and i realized that kind of what it makes it work is that you have all of this silliness and absurdity oh no nagomi and ronko are trapped in a big tub of tomato juice and there's a goat wandering or i guess it's a sheep there's a cloven hooved fort quadruped herbivore i don't know uh wandering around inside there which i did just realize pigs are also cloven hooved 
quadrupeds, but they are not herbivorous. Anyway, that is completely irrelevant. And so it's super goofy and silly. And then you walk, they walk out and then just someone, Yumechi just pops a cap in another maid's ass. Like, that's it. Boom. Very real violence ending in death. Um, so that kind of incongruity is, I think, uh, adds a lot of impact because you don't get numbed to it either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a really good series. And I did, I did not expect anything out of that title. Holy shit. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this one's going to be weird. <laughs> I'm here. Which, which is the only thing that's required to get me to show up for at least one episode. So, you know. <laughs> All right. Is there anything, any last stray thoughts that we did not cover that y'all wanted to touch on before I wrap us up? We are only marginally over time Woo-hoo, by the time we off. edit this down. <laughs> um, Mob Psycho 100 is going well. All right, we will. Well, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Anafam. If you liked what you heard, you can find more from us on our website at animefeminist.com, where we have articles from staff and contributors and more podcast episodes. If you really like what you heard, consider dropping us a dollar a month on Patreon. It will give you access to bonus content like voting on what we cover on mid-season podcasts like this and bonus podcast episodes and monthly recommendations from the staff. And it just helps us to be able to continue running things and to pay everyone who works on the site for what they do. Uh, we also have a Kofi at, at which is co-fi.com uh, slash anime feminist, where we are trying to raise money to raise our contributor rates for our editors and contributors because we've had the same pay scale for a long time and we really would like to be able to pay folks more for the good stuff that they make for us you can also find us on social media we are on twitter at anime feminist while it lasts we are on tumblr at anime feminist and we are on mastodon at anime feminist Thank you so much for joining us, AnaFam. Until next time, uh, better get going. There's a lot of anime to watch.